This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Good evening, everybody. I'm so excited for this episode tonight. I have one of my all-time best friends and um, one of the best basketball coaches in the state of South Carolina on the show tonight. Um, Phil um, Phil Dieter is the head coach at Cardinal Newman. Um recently minted his third state championship heck of an accomplishment especially when you think about the changing landscape not just in college basketball but also at the high school level so phil has done a great job of maneuvering through that and bringing continued success to cardinal newman um and that's a that's a skiza league and skiza is ridiculously competitive and phil can talk about that here in a little bit but um phil i want you to know i got my dr pepper here uh, Phil is a big, big Dr. Pepper fan who recently kicked the habit. And Phil, how long has it been now since you've had a Dr. Pepper? Uh, about a year, about this time. We uh, lost in the state championship last year and uh, decided to give it up, try to make some new uh, lifestyle changes. Uh, and I guess one of them was sodas. And, and so uh, even though I still got the sign at the school where you can buy a uh, special, uh, Dieter Dog special with a Dr. Pepper, I no longer uh, drink them. So uh, I guess, uh, it's water and Celsius is now for me. Well, you're a better man than me because this is a late night Gamecock show. So sometimes we have some adult beverages, but sometimes we just drink a Dr. Pepper and, you know, I got, I got my water here as well. So maybe I'll just try to abstain from Dr. Pepper in your honor tonight. But, but Phil, man, goodness gracious. I mean, three state championships, like let's talk about your high school coaching career and, how, how have you been so successful? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't think if you would ask me uh, coming out of college uh, after five and a half years in 2012 of uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do, uh, where 12 years later I'd sit in front of you and say, oh, yeah, uh, you're going to be a teacher and uh, work in a school and, you know, drive buses or do whatever. I would have never told you that. Uh, not with the type of student I was uh, and, or even strive to be. But, uh 
as I got closer to trying to figure things out, uh, I was just lucky to have good people in my life. Uh, a guy like David Ross, who played at Carolina, was the head coach of Cardinal Newman at the time, uh, back when I graduated. And he offered me a part-time, uh, you know, job at just coaching middle school for a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, I could work it into my work schedule at the time. And so I did it. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, jump in right with him and yeah, coach the little guys, but then would stick around and help him out with the varsity group. And, uh, we were good enough and actually won a state title that year, uh, with Carter Newman back in 2013. And, um, he kind of paved the way for me. I mean, he, he, uh, run, you know, runs a law firm, busy guy, obviously was a great basketball player, uh, and a tremendous coach. So, uh, he was kind of the one that springboarded me to even get a job at, uh, at, at Carter Newman and uh, he went to bat for me and got me a part-time sub job and kind of I kind of just stuck around from there and they uh, couldn't tell me no and and I always asked things to do so I kind of grew from there and there I here I am now as the assistant athletic director uh, work alongside a guy uh, Will Udy who's been there now uh, 16 17 years as a boys soccer coach who's won a ton of state championships teams always finished near the top 25 in the country so I've gotten to learn from him um, but there's a lot of great people uh, in the last 12 years that have kind of molded me. But but it started with David Ross, and uh, you know now he coaches at the rival Hammond, so it's always fun at least twice a year uh, <laughs> to go go play him. And then this year we had to play them in the semifinals, uh, and, and we ended up obviously winning. But uh, he he kind of gave me that start, and uh, so I'll be ever you know thankful for him just to take a chance on me, but, um, I've learned from a lot of great people along the way. So that's kind of how things fall in life usually. And, uh, I tell, I don't take that for granted, but also try to instill that in our kids that it's about building relationships and just finding people that you trust and, and people you can call when you need them. And, you know, more than anything that will help you along the way. Well, it's funny cause I, I haven't spoken to David in a number of years, but I remember when David was, a freshman in South Carolina and I was you know fortunate enough to be a ball boy and be around the team at that time and Hagen Rouse introduced me to David and said hey Matt count how many threes he makes in a row and I think I lost count of like 17 and it was the easiest rebounding I've ever done in my entire life so yeah David Ross a great game cock and a great guy but you know Phil like you've done this now like you said for a number of years I and mean, you have 21 kids that have gone on to play college basketball. That's, that's such a testament to you. And, you know, one of those guys was Chico Carter, who, you know, now is at DePaul and he's doing big things and it's really fun to watch him. But, you know, you had a, a, a front row seat to Frank Martin in South Carolina. You've seen you know, the differences in, you know, the recruiting for South Carolina and Clemson for your guys. But, you know, if you can for a little bit, what was it like to coach a, a kid like Chico or, a kid like Beetle who's now playing power five. And then, you know, you've coached a number of kids that are, that are having great success in college. Like what's the makeup of those kind of kids? Well, I think, uh, you know, the one thing uh, that I put my staff together and my assistant coach, uh, James Abrams, who, who played at Eau Claire back in the day uh, for George Glimp and, and, you know, with Jermaine O'Neal and all those guys. So I went, went out and convinced him to want to, to want to coach just kind of by happenstance. And, uh, then I kind of have a staff around me too, about eight or eight or nine other guys that, that are helping me, 
you know, but when we started, our number one thing was we want kids to be able to have a chance in our program to realize their dreams. Um, and a lot of them, every kid wants to go play college basketball, but what does that look like? Right. So, you know, not every kid is a Chico Carter Jr. Uh, who's that type of high school player that just refuses to lose and, you know, shoots the ball so well, can run the point, can do different things and, and really taught himself, you know, how to be an athlete and worked extremely hard at his craft to even get that opportunity first at Murray State. But, you know, or not every kid's as gifted as Josh Beadle is, is just natural talent. When I saw him as an eighth grader, he just, he did things that no other kid could do even at that age. And, um, you know, so yeah, those kids uh, are the easy to coach. I, I wouldn't say it's easy, but, you know, at the same time, like they have that drive to win too. And so we, we've been fortunate you know, enough to have kids like that uh, going back to when D Ross was the coach, a kid like Austin Ajukla or a John Reagan who helped at Carolina for a while, went to Carolina as a walk on, um, you know, guys like Christian Jones and Brandon Martin, Frank Sun and Winston Andrews and guys that really kind of built the beginning of that, uh, our program that, that worked hard. And now they finish their college career. Some of them are playing overseas, you know, some of them are helping coach at different levels. Uh, you know, a couple of them are now college coaches. Um, you know, so you're lucky to have kids that wanted to accomplish that goal, but the two, you got to give them the chance and you just got to put a development program for them and convince them, Hey, if you work hard enough at this, there will be a spot for you. It may not be the power five, it may not be a division one, a mid major, it may not be even be division two or NAIA division three, you know, but there may be a spot out there for you if you want to take it. Um, and it's everything from preferred walk-ons to two guys that have taken NAIA scholarships or, uh, you know, gone to the division two level and moved up to division one. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities out there and it's just kind of, all right, well, how do you get there? And, and it starts with the classroom work, the grades, the more better grades you have, the more money you possibly can get because outside of division one, you know, uh, everything else you got to have academic money um so that's where it really starts and and even though division twos have scholarships they could split uh it's tough and you talk about the landscape today <laughs> it's totally different uh, especially with the transfer portal and it really stinks for high school kids because college coaches i get it they want guys that are proven or at least have that experience or have that you know year or two in the weight room or at least have done something at the college level because at the end of the day they get paid based on wins and i get it high school kids coming into your program unless they're a top 100 kid or mcdonald's all-american or whatever probably aren't going to have that immediate impact it's going to take some building you know but you got to win now and so i understand that the transfer portal is important and uh it's even harder for for college guys uh our, our college guys that want to go to high school coaches and find those kids uh, that they normally maybe would have taken a chance on. Um, so it just makes it that much more competitive. And I think you're seeing that across the board and, and hopefully a little bit will phase out as we get some of these six year seniors kind of done, uh, you know, back from, from a few years ago with the COVID stuff. That hopefully has to be the hardest part. Oh, I think it has to be the hardest part, Phil. Like when you have these six year kids, maybe even seventh year, I mean, there's a kid that, Miami that's playing his ninth year of college football coming up. And it's the same thing that happens when you think about the NBA. You know, the reason that players can't go to the league out of high school isn't about the NBA. It's all about the collective bargaining agreement and the veterans that don't want to give up their spot. Maybe it's like 11 or 12 man on the bench. They don't want these high school kids coming in to get developed. And I think you're seeing that in college too. 
So, you know, Phil, one of the questions I had for you today is just, you know, you've talked about the advice you give to high school kids that, that want to go play in college and, you know, the fact that grades are important. And I think that's amazing that Cardinal Newman gives them the opportunity if they take advantage of it to go to any college they want to, because they, they're likely going to have the grades, but you know, like a kid like Gigi Jackson, you know, what is that like for him to go from a, you know, theoretical high school junior to skipping his senior year, going to South Carolina, and then talk about what you think impacted South Carolina last year with that decision from Gigi, because you're never going to turn down a Gigi. No, I mean, you, you, I mean, if you turn down a Gigi, you should probably be fired. Um, <laughs> you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, Gigi was a great kid and is, he came from a good family and, and he, you know, truly developed into one of the top players in the country, um, you know, for his age level. But I think the hard part is, is you go from playing a high school season, you know, which a lot of programs in, in South Carolina, especially in Columbia, are really competitive. And Ridgeview is one of those. So he he at least came from that where you're expected to work year-round and you're expected to to put in the time and effort on and off the court. You know, but it is a different game. And you're talking about a young teenage kid going into a locker room with guys that have been doing this. Um, and it's a first-year head coach and a first-year staff. Yeah, there's going to be problems. Um, you know, were some of them fixable? Sure, probably. You know, but at the end of the day, you're banking on his talent and what he could be, even though you know he doesn't have that kind of time. So, yeah, I mean, I think some of the initial you know problems might have been just adjusting, adjusting to the schedule, adjusting to freedom, adjusting to you know whether it's you know now with NIL money you're making, how do you, how do you adjust to that as a kid? And and that that can be tough. And, and you're talking about veteran leadership and things like that. And again, with a a first year coach trying to build and put his stamp on a program, you're not necessarily going to have some of that. So I think that might've been some of the issues there, but you can see, you know, coach Paris in his second year has already got, you know, he's trying to instill what he wants. And if, you know, you could go into the future and say, Hey, we get a GG Jackson, you know, in Paris's year three or four, you might see a little bit different results. Uh, but because it was year one, I think that probably had the biggest impact on it. Yeah, I think so too. And and Phil, I got a couple more questions. I know that you have a hard stop here coming up. Um, Phil is actually having to go talk to some AAU coaches and some families and figure out where his kids are going to play this summer. So we got a we got a hard stop. But Phil, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with you. And then you know, just shoot me a five minute notice or something if you got to run. Yeah, we'll be all right. They can hang out for a second. <laughs> all right, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, this is John Weiss Jr. and I'm with the House of Hope of the PD, a faith-based ministry focused on homelessness and men, women, and children. We are so excited for the Evening of Hope, Jeff Foxworthy event on March 11th at the Florence Center. For general admissions tickets, please visit Ticketmaster. And if you're interested in table or other sponsorship opportunities, please contact me directly at 843 843- Six six seven nine thousand. Thank you so much for your support. God bless. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. So um, real quick, um, just word from our sponsors. If you have the opportunity to come to Florence, South Carolina, obviously where I live, come out to that Jeff Fox or the event. It's a great opportunity for you to help raise money for the House of Hope that combats homelessness in the PD area. And Jeff Foxworthy is a huge advocate for homelessness in the Atlanta, Georgia area. But um, make sure you do that. And Phil, next time we um, enjoy, well, actually, we should get some chicken cock whiskey to celebrate your state championship. Uh, I'll, I'll send a call to chicken cock and see what we can what we can do there. But Phil, really quick, um, continuing on Gigi, really, just really quickly here, Michael Lynn in the chat box has a, a good point. And he said, the Gigi's success is great for recruiting for South Carolina. Maybe you can walk us through, you know, the challenges that South Carolina has had recruiting this state and how GG can help going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, anything that GG is doing, what you're seeing now in the, at the next level in the NBA uh, is going to help South Carolina. One, it's going to tell recruits uh, that, Hey, uh, you can stay home. Uh, not only can you make, uh, uh, you know, good NIL money and then kind of jumpstart there, but you're on a platform playing in the SEC uh, in a basketball talented conference, uh, and and there's a staff in place here that could develop you to even get drafted and, and to sign that next deal, and and not only that, but then be be prepared to actually get into the league. And 
Um, so it's, you know, everything that he does now is going to only help. I think some of the challenges for South Carolina, uh, in general is, is just, if you look at it, um, and you were to map out, you know, rank one through, you know, what is it? 14 SEC schools, South Carolina, pretty much in everything in basketball is going to probably be at the bottom and it's kind of by default, right? It's kind of by where you're at in the country. Uh, you know, you can drive to, you know, Tobacco Road. Um, you know, you, you you know the Florida schools are going to pull some of that talent. Then, you know, obviously your national type kids are going to be recruited by every blue blood in the country. And and so to win those recruiting battles, it's tough. And, and especially now with money being involved with NIL, you got to step up and you got to have you got to have the, the same pockets that, that some of these guys do that, that obviously are going to get offered. And, and, and you know, so for a kid, if you're really, really good at basketball and you want to go be a professional basketball player, yeah, you're probably going to look first at some other places. But um, the success of Gigi, uh, the success of some of those guys in the Frank area, uh, Frank era of getting to the next level and even now still making money for play, playing professional basketball is only going to help. And and I think it shows that kids can stay home and, and the coaches are going to make an effort. And um, hopefully it does help out uh, here in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I don't think it's ever a bad thing when you have a player that, you know, played at your university that's now got a second contract in the NBA. That, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so, Phil, you were a student manager during the, the Darren Horn era at South Carolina. So you got to see a, a pretty good player in Devin Downey. <laughs> for a little bit and there were good players on that team on those teams. But, you know, can you talk about the difference and what you're seeing with South Carolina right now versus that era? And then obviously we had the Frank Martin run to the final four, which was fantastic. And, you know, this can be like a three part question and, you know, keep up with me and I'll remind you if you, if you miss a little bit, but you say you go from Darren Horn to Frank Martin and now you have, Lamont Paris, but the final four is the biggest accomplishment in, you know, men's basketball history for sure. Can you talk about like what the differences you've seen between those three eras and, you know, what the future holds? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of my work as a manager came right at the end of, of Horn's era. So I was kind of trying to get started there right when uh, Dominique Archie went down in Charleston. Uh, that was kind of the year before that, that I had kind of made, uh, you know, at least made a move to even become a manager. Uh, but I remember watching that season and losing a player like that, that early, uh, that, that was that important and it, it really hurt. Uh, so I think, you know, as it progressed, uh, with, with coach Horn, um, it wasn't that he knew what to do to be successful. I don't think that was the problem. I think a lot of it just stemmed from, at the time you made a commitment to, Hey, let's go out and get South Carolina kids or Southeast regional kids. And quite frankly, they just weren't that good. And you're going up against the Kentucky teams of those days and, and the Florida teams that are coming off, you know, you know, major success. It's hard. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think there's probably some things that Coach Orm could have done better. Probably not probably. Definitely some things that he could have done better relationships-wise, you know, kind of around the school. But at the end of the day in college athletics, when it starts going south 
and it goes south really fast, uh, it's it's going to be tough because you're not going to win recruiting battles. You're not going to win transfers. You're not going to win, you know, a lot of different things. And, and guys are going to be down. The fans will be down. It's just, and it's going to be a tough ride. And it was. Uh, my last year, uh, we were awful. And, and it was not, not fun to watch a 2,000-person arena. Um, you know, so when you go now, my encouragement to Gamecock fans is, like, just enjoy being around – 15,000 people, or you go to the girls' games and, you know, it's 15 to 18,000 every night. Enjoy that because uh, I've seen where it's not very good uh, and kind of been a part of it. Um, you know, in the Frank era, I think he came in, and, and Frank's a lightning rod, um, you know, and the way he coaches is not probably a welcoming style day in and day out. Uh, you know, when you're talking about the current, you know, landscape of basketball, but the one thing – that that I always love about Frank. One is he's a better human being than he is a, a basketball coach for starters. But then two, the guys that that played for him, that talk about him, love that guy, and, and they will go to the ends of the world. So that's what you want to see from former players. And and obviously that Final Four run, being able to go to the, to the Garden and see your team uh, advance to the Final Four is probably one of the greatest memories outside of. Obviously, you know, wedding, kids first, things like that. But sports memories um, that I'll ever have for sure, you know. But then, you know, going into to Coach Paris, um, I, what you see now is you see a team that just enjoys playing together. And you see a staff that's having fun doing what they're doing. Um, sure, there's some things that are probably need to be corrected. But I remember you guys a couple of weeks ago talking about just enjoy the run. And that's as true yeah. as it can be. Enjoy it. Enjoy going to those games and watching the games on TV that matter. Um, and, it, and it's awesome to see and, and enjoy being in the top 25 because that doesn't happen often either. Yeah, the Gamecocks have only been to, I think, nine NCAA tournaments in their entire history. And to see Colonial Life Arena as buzzing as it has been you know, pretty much since the Kentucky game, it, it, it's what I always encourage people to do. And you know, Phil's going to laugh when I say this because I'm not the biggest LeBron James guy in the world. But at the same time, like, appreciate greatness. Like, I, I remember getting so mad about, you know, different NBA players back in the day. Like, oh, I had my favorite. But, like, this doesn't happen every day. And Gamecocks can lose by 40 <laughs> against Auburn. But, Phil, you've, you've coached games where your team gets blasted and it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Oh, shoot. We we won a state title this year, and I think we lost 14 or 15 games, something like that. I mean, yeah, it, it's how it goes. And, and you know, our first game the last two years has been against Oak Hill. Um, you know, so it, it is what it is. I mean, at the college level, yeah, you'd probably prefer not to see a 40-point loss. But, you know, Auburn at home and, and different things like that. I mean, a, t- a team could get hot. You just don't have it. So, you know, I don't think that should discourage anybody because at the end of the day, you know, the tournament, whether it's the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament, is on a neutral floor. And and none of that home stuff is going to matter. And it's really about, okay, how can you guard? How do you rebound? Can you limit the other team's possessions? Can you play your pace that you want to play at? And then ultimately it comes down to you have guys that can make plays and make shots. And, you know, if you look at our team, we, we have that. And, and does it need to be a little more consistent? Sure. But that's the thing that should excite you is like, hey, we got a team that can get onto a neutral floor and play with anybody in the country. And they've already showed that. And, uh, you know, so I think that's the exciting yeah. piece. But but enjoy the road to get there, too. Like, it's not, 
you know, uh, you know, don't take it for granted because because it is tough to do, um, you know, but what they're doing is awesome. Yeah, it's funny. And Phil, I actually want to get your take on this because on the bigspur.com, there's been a ton of conversation and, you know, you don't you don't have every Gamecock fan in the world on the Big Spur. So like you get the most passionate, the fanatical, the people that want to post and talk about stuff. And, you know, hopefully they don't kick their dog at the end of the night. But, you know, have you ever been a part of a, a game where you felt like your team lost that game like as like a hangover? Because I don't think the Gamecocks lost to LSU because Auburn beat them twice. Like they had a 17 point lead. Like they didn't lose that game because Auburn beat them twice. Has that ever happened to you where you get called up I, twice? I, I would say in, in high school that can happen easier than it could at the college level just because you're dealing with, you know, immature kids at times that just don't know how to either take criticism or take coaching or, to, you know, they're hearing different things from it, you know, wherever, you know, they got going on at home or whatever, you know, so it is a little bit different. So I would say, yeah, could you, could one loss affect another one at the high school level? Sure. Uh, at the college level, it's a little harder. I mean, you're, you're, you kind of wipe it and you're going in with, you know, game plans and film and all the prep uh, where, you know, the high school level isn't, you know, the, you, the good coaches are doing some of that, but it's hard mm-hmm. to, to do it at that level. Cause, cause you only get a couple of, you know, maybe two hours with those kids in practice uh, if that, and they got a lot of other things going on during the day where again, yes, college students still got to go to class, but at the same time they're dumping in, you know, triple the amount of hours between those games uh, to prepare for it. So I think it's a little easier. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't classify that. I mean, I think you you watch that LSU game, there's two plays specifically in my mind that would say, hey, you, you make the right fundamental play and you probably win the game. And, and it was two lob passes for dunks that, okay, yeah, they, they would look great. But make the simple play and make the easy play. And that's what our team usually does. So it was, it was tough to see some of that, but but obviously down the stretch, you got to be able to close it out too. Yeah, Phil. I mean, there there are a million moments in games that I'm, I'm sure the coach in you is just screaming at, and it's not just South Carolina. Whatever game you're watching, you're saying, "What are you doing? Like, just do what we practice, do what we talked about." And it, it's always difficult, but man, Gamecocks are on a little bit of a run now. They still have a chance in the SEC regular season championship. I think that as long as the Gamecocks continue to enjoy this run, play for each other. It, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. So, Phil, I really appreciate your time tonight. If, if, you're, if you're game, I'd love to get you on the show again. I know that you have thoughts outside of basketball. I mean, you can talk <laughs> about football. You can, I mean, heck, we, we might have like a, a summer where we talk about the League of Gamecocks. That's the hat that Phil has on. He's in my fantasy football league. So uh, we'll, we'll do something like that. But, Phil, thank you so much for your time. Go get those little girls down and and – Get ready to drive the bus at 5 a.m. tomorrow. The life of a high school basketball coach, it's a its a thankless job, and, and Phil is amazing at it. It's uh, its lucky uh, when you wake up that early that you got uh, plenty of podcasts uh, to listen to, uh, this being one of them. So uh, usually I don't catch it the day of, but uh, I, I'm always always tuning in at some point to make sure I got my facts straight heading into the uh, the next game. So. Uh, it's been cool to see it, see you do what you do and do what you love. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's that's the best part. Uh, and a lot of coaches, you know, across the state, that's what they do, what they love. And, um, you know, so it's cool to, to see you do that, too. So 
appreciate you having me on, man. And, and uh, you all enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm sure I'll catch it a couple of days later. <laughs> that sounds good, Phil. We'll talk, man. Bye. All right, dude. <clears throat> all right. So with that, we're going to take a, another break here. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about the Gamecocks and NCAA tournament. So thank you guys for sticking with me. And um, enjoy this word from our sponsors. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Ain't nobody got time for that. Emergencies and accidents happen. When you're in the middle of a fire or water event, all you want is for things to return to normal as soon as possible. Resto Pros of the Midlands is with you. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Open 24-7 when you need them. Quality that is guaranteed. Down here in the south, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Oh, man. The big- NTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Is on fire. During and after natural disasters or accidents, there can be a heavy loss to property. Resto Pros of the Midlands is here to help. Open 24-7. Call them when you need them. 803-493-0170. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Quality that is guaranteed. Welcome back, everybody. I uh, want to thank Phil so much for hopping on the show. That's one of the best basketball minds that I've ever been around. I, I learned something from him every single day, and I've wanted to get him on the show for a while now, but obviously being a state championship-level coach, <laughs> the, the basketball season had to end to get Phil on here. But uh, Phil is a great guest, and I, I really appreciate him you know, taking the time. I'm kind of checking up on the chat box here. Um, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I think that Eli Ellis, um, Michael, I think Michael Lynn asked about Eli Ellis. Uh, he, he's really firm. I, I don't think you have to worry about anything with him. Um, you know, there's some commentary going on about the, the LSU game and things that the Gamecocks could have done a little bit differently. Absolutely. Yeah. 23 and four looks better than 22 and five, but the Gamecocks are still in a really good spot. And I, I made some jokes talking with folks because, I do bracketology. I love it. I, I think I understand it. I, I, I kind of have a knack for it. And I have a knack for it because I've done it for 15 years. 
<laughs> that's why. But uh, the Gamecocks have been in a great spot. I, I'm, I'm very thankful that the Gamecocks did win at Ole Miss. And it's, it's one of those situations that I've talked about this season for the Gamecocks where the second go around, I don't think the Gamecocks have lost a game so far this season. The, the second the second time they play a team. So um, Gamecocks did it again against Ole Miss. Now they have Texas A&M, Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi State to close out the season. Uh, Texas A&M, the Gamecocks haven't played yet. Florida, they haven't played yet. But they have played Tennessee and Mississippi State, and they beat both of them. Uh, the Tennessee game's at home. The Mississippi State game's on the road. Looking at it, Texas A&M on the road Wednesday night is a quad one game. You have Florida at home on Saturday. That's a quad two game. And then you have two of what's called quad one A games, like the top half of quad one with Tennessee at home on Wednesday, March 6th, and then on the road to finish out the regular season uh, Saturday, March 9th at Mississippi State. I think that the Gamecocks, I've been saying it pretty much since they beat Tennessee I think the Gamecocks are really just playing for seeding at this point. When you look at the Gamecock resume, if you look at the computer numbers, it's it's not as great. But at the same time, we've talked about the computer numbers all season long, and they're they're never going to reward the Gamecocks for a multitude of reasons. One, when you look at Ken Palm, especially, there's still some preseason bias in there. Most of that's washed out but there's probably 10% preseason bias that still exists at Kenpom. But what also hurts the Gamecocks is when you look at the net, Charleston Southern, which, you know, I got, I got a lot of love in my heart for Charleston Southern, but beating them by like six points is not going to move the needle when every game is counted the same in the net rating system. So if the Gamecocks have won that game by 35 or 40 points, it's not unrealistic to think that the Gamecocks could be 10 or 15 points better in the net rating system. That's really just how crazy sometimes this system is. I think that the net is actually a good metric tool because I think the Gamecocks should have beat Charleston Southern by 30, 35, 40 points, but they didn't. And that counts. That matters. Again, that matters. Uh, the Gamecocks were not ready to beat Charleston Southern by that, and so the, the net rating is is impacted by it. Uh, really quick here, uh, somebody asked a question about um, uh, Deba. Yeah, Deba is taking – I think he's taking a redshirt right now. I don't know if it's actually going to be a medical redshirt because he already had one of those. I'm sure they'll apply for it. I don't know if he still has basketball in his future plans. I know the Gamecocks would be – really excited to have him back next year because he is kind of like a Swiss army knife and he has a lot of college basketball experience, but I just don't know if his athleticism has ever returned since that injury. Uh, Looking at this, uh, Billy says, what's really insane is all these um, sportscasters talking about Kentucky when we just plain beat them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Kentucky is a poster child for college basketball, but it's, it's well-deserved and, Kentucky, and the reason that that win was so big for South Carolina is Kentucky probably has the most NBA players, whether it's next year or a couple years down the road, of any team in the country. So it it was a very big win for South Carolina, and Kentucky's still working through a lot of their growing pains. But 
Kentucky's going to be a good team in March, I think. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I know they lost to St. Peter's like two years ago or something like that, or maybe it was last year. I, and it was definitely two years ago. But, yeah, Kentucky's a good team. The SEC is a good conference. The SEC, I think, is probably one of the top two, three best conferences in the country. I think the Big 12 is number one, and then you can have all the arguments you want about the Big East and the SEC. But getting back to South Carolina and what it looks like for South Carolina in regards to the NCAA tournament, South Carolina, according to BartTorvik.com, and I think he updates this thing you know, either hourly or daily or something like that, but the Gamecocks now sit um, at 5-3 and three in or no four and three in quad one games, five and zero in quad two games for a combined nine and three in quad one and quad two opportunities, and four and two right now in quad three and nine and zero in quad four. But the key metric that I always go back to when I have this conversation is looking at the KPI and the strength of record. So the KPI for South Carolina is twentieth in the country. And the strength of record is 13th in the country. And remember, KPI is just taking a bunch of different metrics that actually happen in a course of a basketball game and rating them across every team in the country. And the strength of record is, you know, you get a plus one for the best possible outcome and a minus one for the worst possible outcome based on the games that you play. So for South Carolina to be an average of 16.5 on the actual resume metrics, and then looking at them being 53rd in BPI and Ken Palm, and then I guess they're, what, 48th in the net, that's an average of 53, give or take. So the Gamecocks are kind of walking that line for seeding in the NCAA tournament where it's going to be somewhere between 16.5 and, and 53 divided by 4. So we'll, let, let's do that math really quick. I'm not, I'm not super great at doing math on the fly, even though – my wife thinks I am, but I'm really not that good at it. Um, all right. So right now the Gamecocks are probably looking at somewhere in that like eight seed range. If you just take the computer metrics and the resume metrics, I think that at the end of the day, the selection committee is going to lean more on the resume metrics and not the computer because South Carolina does have that nine and three record in quad one and quad two games. And they, one of their quad two or quad three losses, I should say is a one point loss at home and then a five-point loss to Georgia at home. So Gamecocks are still sitting pretty. I think the Gamecocks will likely be, if the season ended right now, somewhere in that five to seven seed line. I think they're probably going to be a six seed if I was doing a bracket right now, just because the Gamecocks have such a good such a good resume. But you know, the big thing for the Gamecocks right now is not just what NCAA tournament seed they're going to be, but also where they're going to finish up in – the SEC. And right now the Gamecocks are 10 and four overall in the conference. They are a full game back of Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, they do play Tennessee again and they're tied with Auburn at 10 and four. Auburn has a tiebreaker because Auburn beat South Carolina by 40, like we talked about earlier, but the Gamecocks do have the tiebreaker over Kentucky who's sitting at nine and five and they have an opportunity to play Florida um, to have a, a tiebreaker against them as well. I think that, Winning the SEC is going to come down to what Alabama does and if South Carolina can win out. If South Carolina wins out, I'd, there's no way that they're not going to be the SEC regular season champion. 
um, as long as Alabama drops one more game because they'll have that head-to-head against Tennessee. But I think the, the bigger thing for South Carolina is it's great to get trophies, and even if they tie for the SEC regular season, they're going to get a trophy. South Carolina's trophy case is kind of lacking at this point in time. But I think the bigger thing for South Carolina is to make sure that they stay um, a top four seed in the SEC tournament so they, they get a little bit of extra rest. They get to play another quad one opportunity when they take the court on, I guess it would be Friday at the SEC or maybe it'd be Saturday. Yeah, it'd be Friday. Friday, I don't know. It'd be Friday or Saturday, but they're going to have a good opportunity to have uh, another another scalp on their resume. And then you're just really playing for seeding. So South Carolina has a great opportunity for that. Yeah, and um, Phil, the, the greatest producer in the game, sent me a private chat and said uh, a double buy would be great in the SEC. That, that's exactly what the Gamecocks are looking for. Obviously, let's go, let's go try and win an SEC regular season championship, but let's stay, let's stay in the double buy range for the SEC tournament. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm going back to the chat box. Um, uh, Michael says he doesn't want to see Kentucky in the tournament. Yep, I agree. Uh, when I think about an SEC scout guy says, when I think about the success of this year's team, um, uh, yeah, a lot of these guys are only going to be here for one more year. So, but it's it's still a great year, and the Gamecocks have an opportunity to do something special. Uh, Michael says, I think the Gamecocks, I think if they go three and one, the next four would be a five seed. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. Two more quad one and quad two wins would be great. Yeah, Michael, um, agree. Billy says with win three and win at least one in the SEC, I think they'll put them at a five seed. The the thing that I always try and remind everybody about is the NCAA tournament. If you're a four seed, that means you're one of the top 16 best teams in the country according to regular season resume or regular season and conference tournament. If you're a five seed, you're one of the top 20 teams in the country, a six seed, top 24, seven seed, top 28. That's where the Gamecocks kind of sit right now. And if, if I, if I really wanted to make the argument and I might do it, I might do it on the big spur, but the Gamecocks realistically have an opportunity to say they have one of the best 14 to 19 resumes in the country. So if you look at that, that's somewhere between, you know, a four seed and a five seed. That That's probably where the Gamecocks are. I think that the computer metrics, whether you like them or not, could hinder the Gamecocks' chances of, you know, getting that high without some more wins on the on the resume. But the Gamecocks are nine and three in quad one and quad two, and that's all the games they have left. So you're talking about a 75% win percentage, and they got four games left. So there's nothing to say the Gamecocks can't win three out of these next four games because that's what they've done all season long. So exactly what Phil said earlier, enjoy the ride. This is so much, this is so much fun to cover this, to be a part of it, to, to watch them play and the way that the Gamecocks are winning. And just, it's almost like a win anyway, type mentality battle. Like the, the Gamecock baseball team had those many years. And when they were running through Omaha and setting an NCAA tournament, win consecutive win records, it, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. So just win. I mean, like Al Davis said, just win and everything else is going to take take care of itself. And once you get to the NCAA tournament, it's a new season. And the Gamecocks were a seven seed 
with Frank Martin back in 2017, went all the way to the final four. It's hard to win in March. So regardless of what happens in March, the Gamecocks have had just a phenomenal season and it's something Lamont's going to build upon. And Mike Morgan has said this on the inside the Gamecocks show. A lot of people have said this in the national media. The Gamecocks are not going to be a team that anybody wants to see matched up against them in round one, round two, round three, elite eight, if they get that far, final four, if they get that far, national championship, all, all the above. The Gamecocks are, are are really tried and tried and true in what they want to do and how they're going to do it. And there's not a team in the country that I think that can dictate their style of basketball over South Carolina on a neutral court other than maybe Connecticut, maybe Purdue, <laughs> definitely Houston. Uh, there are probably like six or seven teams in the country that I think can win a national title. I don't know if the Gamecocks are one. But uh, just like Michael just said in the chat box, defense wins in March. And the Gamecocks are playing at – let me pull it up really quick for you. So the Gamecocks have a top 50 defense in the country, 45th overall. They have a top 62 offense. You look at the SEC, which I just said for, for my money is probably one of the top three conferences in the country, and they have the fourth best defense in the Southeastern Conference. So Gamecocks are going to be in every single game the rest of the way unless the team just catches fire and nobody in the country would beat them. So enjoy the ride. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you guys joining me, guys and gals. Uh, so much is going on. We didn't even talk about, didn't talk about baseball Baseball won, um, I guess, what was it, four out of five games this week. They got the the series-clinching win on Sunday against Belmont. The women's team, oh, my gosh, like they're just still undefeated. They're, they're so much fun to watch. They, they beat Kentucky by a lot of points on Sunday. You still have all these teams, softball, baseball, basketball. You know, track and field is crushing it as well. So enjoy the ride as a Gamecock fan. I encourage you all to – Spend as much time as you can watching all the sports that are in season right now. Gamecocks got big news. There's going to be a a, a soccer match, I guess a, a football match at williams Bryce Stadium with Liverpool and Manchester United coming up on August 3rd. Uh, that's going to be a hot ticket. And then base our Gamecock soccer is still still um, you know building and going to be great. There was a great great um, interview today on Inside the Gamecocks with the um, soccer coach of South Carolina. And I would go back and listen to that. But so much to be excited about at Gamecock Sports. The Gamecocks are going to take the the court in men's basketball on Wednesday at Texas A&M. I know that all Gamecocks, Gamecock fans' eyes will be glued to that. And let's see the Gamecocks can keep this magical run going. It's been so much fun. So I appreciate all of you for listening, and I say it every time. All of you give me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. It's never not appreciated. And I appreciate all of you for giving me this platform and giving me this opportunity to spend time with you every Monday night on this show. And, and when I get to join inside the Gamecocks throughout the week, it's so much fun. So I appreciate all of you. I hope you have a great night and let's go Gamecocks on Wednesday. Talk to you later. Bye y'all.